Hello. This is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. With me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell West. And this month, as uh, spring and actual sunshine, it's still a bit chilly, uh, passes over High Wycombe, um, we would like to talk about going on long journeys and um, maybe arriving somewhere. Is it just the learn across the map? Is it the entire point of the adventure? All or of these it, things are possible. Or the, the, this sort of thing, thing um, will will divert us for a while or so, and then we're going to talk about the real world. Is there such a thing, and can we set games there? Do you really need escapism? Um, give me time, and I'll think of an answer. But first, Roger wants to thank somebody. Uh, yes, thank you to Krista Boring, who dropped some money in our tip jar. Uh, thank you, this does encourage us to keep doing the show. Uh, if you would like to uh, be acknowledged, uh, paypal.me slash rogerbw and say that it's via RTD. Before we go on with the rest of the show... Nice people at the Bundle of Holding continue to point out the wonders of all their works to us, and when we feel like it, we give them a mention. I feel very much like giving them a mention this month, because at the moment they have uh, two collections, uh, two separate offers, of the collected comic book versions of Girl Genius, the uh, Fourier's great um, epic work of Gaslight... Uh, gaslit, uh, steampunk. Don't uh, call it steampunk. Sign. I really hate that. Oh, they hate steampunk. All right, clockwork punk. Um, I, I think uh, Kaya prefers gas lamp fantasy specifically. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Far be it, be it from me to offend, uh, to offend such a formidable lady. Uh, let us say a gaslit fantasies of um, an alternate uh, Victorian era on a slightly alternate uh, Earth, with uh, where there are things called sparks, um, mad scientists who can, in a state of exaltation, bend, fold, spindle and mutilate the laws of nature and uh, produce wonders. Wonders, I tell you. And uh, the central one being the uh, aforementioned girl genius, Lady Agatha Heterodyne. And it's wonderful fun. It's um, it's ornately detailed and and illustrated and full of visual and and literary wit and I think it's a wonderful thing. It has its own own um, role playing game, of course, which is GURPS derived. Which, as I said at the time, I thought a mistake, but uh, for sheer pleasure of uh, girl genius material. And a little bit of one of his other uh, other products, uh, but Godot. 
I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. So yes, take I, advantage. You, you've got 17 volumes of this, which more or less correspond with graphic novel-sized editions. Yeah. Oh, 20 volumes, I'm sorry. Um, I confess I, I've rather uh, given up on it. I found it was doing, for my taste, doing too much building up and, gosh, there's a new thing just around this corner and not so much developing the stuff that was already there. But uh, that's my taste. I do have yeah, a lot I, more time I, for Buck Goddard's Zap Gun for Hire. <laughs> well, you see, see, controversy even right at the start, start of the podcast. Uh, that is also um, in this offer, though, so... I, in, in, in any off chance that the Fulfiers are listening, I will say that they have they have to come to a point sometime, and um, I, I, they've been their their, their current um, storyline running since the start of the uh, of the adventure is all about Agatha's wanderings before she settles down and becomes a power in the land. We've seen the future in occasional um, side stories, but um, they seem to have problems getting to a climax, and I I know that can be very difficult. I know. I mean, to a large extent, it's a picaresque. It's saying, here is this interesting bit of the world, here is that interesting bit of the world. Look at it. It's gorgeous. Um, Yeah, that's fine. uh, The thing has won many Hugos, etc., it's not so much to my taste, but it may well be to yours. Yeah, uh, picaresque is something we will come back to, possibly, in a moment or so. Uh, all that's till the 12th of June. Uh, also running at the moment, and until the 5th of June, is the Arc Dream Mythos bundle. This is a little bit complicated because it, it's under various different titles, but basically what you what you get here in in the whole thing is issues eighteen to twenty five of the Unspeakable Oath, which yeah. started off as a Call of Cthulhu fanzine and I mean I think basically remained a horror with strong Cthulhu elements yeah. thing. Um which is basically lo- lots of little bits that you can mince up and drop into a Call of Cthulhu game. Or a Lovecraftian game, yeah. There's there's modern stuff, there's 1920s stuff, there's stuff that you can just work out ad lib. Uh, great great source for a combination of I can use that and e. <laughs> it is they are definitely taking seriously the the job of being a horror game. Yeah, which um, is perhaps not to everybody's taste, but it works well for me. Uh, the other thing in here is the sense of the sleight of hand man, which is a Dreamlands campaign. Uh, starts off as you're all opium addicts in New York in 1925. Oh, happy days. <laughs> and, and then it goes worse, I assume. Well, I mean, it's Dreamlands. It's Dreamlands with Gnarly, so. All right, well, thank you, Roger, for having promoted that and for having made me think of minced up tentacles. Ah. You've never um, eaten a squid burger? I have never eaten a squid burger. There oh, are many man. burgers I have never, I have never eaten. I'll have to, have to make you one uh, sometime. Uh, Roger, please, please, don't put yourself to the trouble. <laughs> Let's travel and move onwards. Transportation for life was the sentence he gave, and then, to be fined £50, the jury all cheered, but the judge said he feared the phrase was not legally sound. 
With those wise words of uh, Charles Ludwig Donson, we're going to start talking about transport, travel, getting from A to B, and how you can use it in your, in your games, and what sorts of travels there are in stories. We mentioned the word picaresque a moment ago, possibly because it was on Roger's mind. And that's something that always turns up in any travel game, but it, it's the, the sheer pleasure of being in a new place, seeing a new thing, meeting strange people, and all of that. But whilst it's present in every single travel story, necessarily, even if you're just getting on the train to go to Manchester, um, it's not, I think, what we're going to concentrate on here. We're trying to make the, the travel and the things that happen on it into a major part of the story. Well, I, I think that whether or not you're going to do that, you have to decide whether you're going to do that. Right, uh, yeah. So, I mean... I, I've heard of some terrible examples. You know, the, the the adventure was supposed to be infiltrating the space pirates, but the pilot fumbled flying through the asteroid field, and so and so we all died. That that is a that is a bad gem. That is a bad gem. Every every uh, book or article on how how to be a good GM will say say know when to jump over the stuff and just say, well, several days pass and eventually you arrive at the castle. Yeah, I and mean, one, one of the standard pieces of advice to people with their first novel is delete chapter one. The reader will work out what's going on without all the explanation. Um, I, I would probably go a bit further and say, if if the adventure is infiltrating the base, you'll say, okay, so you're, you're, you're at the base and... Yeah, um... So yeah, that that that's you know level zero travel, which we we just said it's happened. Very yeah. slightly above that is is the Indiana Jones red line across the map travel. Arguably, uh, Casablanca is probably one of the first of that because you know they they knew that a lot of people wouldn't know the location of the place, but you know you're zooming in on a map of Europe, which people in World War Two would be familiar with. Say like, okay, it's here. Yeah. So that's nice. Um, can you make line on the map interesting? I don't think so. I certainly might. You, you yeah, may have right. a better option than I do, but I tend to say, okay, you know, it's a twelve-hour flight, or it's it's a three-week ocean voyage, and you get to it Singapore. Is, it's a it's a it's a five five month slog across across the desert, and you're not quite the same uh, afterwards as before. But let's ignore all that. Oh uh, well, what, one specialised version of this. Uh, would be something like Traveller, where you effectively have the trade minigame. If if you have players who, like me, are into spreadsheets in space... Yes, yes, um, we're really grateful to have you in that. Th- then, then it can... Then, yeah, but but if enough of the group is into that, then you can make a mini-adventure of, OK, we're there, we need to be over there, it's about five jumps, what can we do on the way to make, to yeah, make a well, bit of extra cash? All right, I would say that my current two Traveller campaigns... Are um, are in are, are indicating two different paths. In your in your game, the game you're in, you've got a task to do which involves travelling across increasingly hostile um, territory and overcoming all the difficulties people are putting in your way in order to get to, to your um, 
end point where you get paid. And you can be quite certain that every single place you stop, there's going to be something happening uh, which entangles you and your crew in local difficulties. Um, and, 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 and that's going to be, be what the, 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 the campaign is about. The, the discovering who your enemies are and overcoming their fiendish plans. On the other hand, um, I'm uh, on my other campaign. I'm just I'm going I'm to jump over uh, uh, eight jump one uh, journeys um, between one planet they're on and the next planet where something significant to the plot happens. Um, there would be no point in. Um, in, de in delaying get getting to the point of the journey, they're, it's traveller. They're not going to get any much better at what they do, so they're, <laughs> they're going to go on uh, to the uh, to the next point of of the saga as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I think it would it would be fair to say, okay, you know, you you, you take a few months jumping from here to there, uh, you make a bit of extra cash, but not, but you're not going to become millionaires out of it. The the approach the thing that I'm I'm finding interesting tension in your uh, Reft campaign yeah. is that on the one hand we have this thing to do we want to get to point B. Yeah. On the other hand, we are trying not to attract too much attention, yeah. and therefore we are doing the trade thing. Now, if if we decided, okay, these guys clearly know who we are. Um. Let's just do this as quickly as possible. We wouldn't be doing the trade thing at all, yeah. Except the minimal amount to make a little bit of cash and yeah, you know, to pay our running costs. As it is, we're making we're making a, a reasonably healthy profit, which is nice. Um, but I do I do think that's an interesting tension within the writing of the campaign because, on the one hand, you 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 want to. You want us to engage with things, not just say, okay, we land here to refuel, we keep the ship locked up, we take off again, because that's not fun. Especially in systems with gas charts where we don't even have to land. On the other hand, you, you, uh, you, you do want us to engage in that. On the other hand, we, the, in character, there, there's always that tension to say, well, every man's hand is against us. Let, let us not uh, muck about here more than we have to. Yeah. And that, well, that's the, uh, that's hopefully is where the story comes in. But, I think I think that uh, what we're doing uh, the the campaign we're calling uh, talking about is called Islands in the Rift um, and is uh, uh, an outline but a very good outline of um, something that's about the journey. It you have an aim at the end, a definite end point, and the campaign doesn't go on forever, but it's about the problems of the journey. Yeah. Getting, getting, getting your uh, to the end point of your of your mission. There's another t a type of journey focused game, which I think is entirely about the journey, about the incidents and things that happen on the journey. The classic and traveler free trader campaign might be an example of that. Yeah, well, no, you, no. you you don't have a particular goal other than make money. You're going to wherever wherever you think you're going to make money, but the reason it's not an exercise purely in spreadsheets is because of the things that happen while you're there. I, I'm going to disagree because I think in the, the, the though it doesn't come to an end, the uh, the tra traveller trader campaign has lots of individual ends. There's this run. There's mm -hmm. get, uh, get yourself together. There's there's the time off you're going to have at the end of the year when the ship gets refurbished. These those are all 
natural breakpoints in the in the in the um, okay. in the story. But what I was thinking, what I was thinking of as as a model for a pure journeying um, campaign was wagon train. The old, ah, yeah. The old the old um, American TV series, which isn't about. It's about it's about the it's partly about the permanent staff, the people who are always there, the wagon master and his trusty scouts and 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 um, roustabouts, if that's a word. But uh, uh, but the individual episodes are about the stars of the week, the guest stars who have come in, and the stories of their little party and their families' troubles. And, and it, the the. The journey is far bigger than one season, or poss- possibly all the seasons. I don't know. I've never seen it. I, I know it was I, the I, way Star Trek was missold, but <laughs> I don't think a new season is okay. You know, we've we've delivered this lot of first settlers, and we've gone back to get a new set. Is it? I mean, it's just yeah, no, the the, no. the journey continues forever. Yeah. So I um, kind of like um, oh Star Trek Voyager original at least Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that idea of well, yeah, we 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 might get to the end eventually. We're trying to get to the end. That's what keeps us going. But if we actually do it, that is going to be the end of the series, or at least the end of this chunk of it. Yeah, um, I mean, um, there, I mean, there was no reason in theory that uh, a wagon master couldn't take uh, one wagon out to to the west and um, uh, and come back from uh, come back. Um, a company of people travelling in the opposite direction and then repeat the thing. I mean, they they had re- reputations to build up and maintain. But as a model, it's got people going to a, to a distant happy land through a dangerous place and having not only the conflicts with the dangers around them, but also the internal conflicts, the the uh, soap opera mm. level conflicts which which i think could make for a for a good uh, fantastic campaign with or without fantastical elements yeah but um well people first i think is probably one of one of my role-playing mottos i would say in this case there are two sorts of this uh focuses of this campaign. well hang on because there's, there's just okay. one more thing i'd like to drop in which is the the adventure is mostly going to be about being in the place, but you can have precursor elements of the adventure happening on the journey to the place. I'd say, for example, you know, you you are Americans traveling to Egypt for an archaeological dig, and yeah. ma- maybe the cult is already aware of you and sends somebody expendable to try to nobble you on the boat, that kind yeah. of thing. So, I mean. It, that that is not just a random encounter with, with, with a mad murderer. It it is when when you when you meet more of these guys at the dig site and you say, "Aha, they've got the same tattoo as that guy," then then you've got a connection. Yeah, that's that's about that's about the uh, the, the the campaign in which the, the end the arriving is really important. Oh sure, but you can, but you can use the uh, is the, well is the really important thing, but you can use the. The journey there to um, pre-say to pre. Oh, uh, uh, even if it's just ru- rumours and um, well, foreshadow to some extent. But I mean, so, something like, oh yes, yes, that that dig site—it's cursed, you know. My, my my nephew went there, and I'm going back to have him invalided home. That kind of thing. Yeah, 
I was going to say. Well, what I was going to say about the uh, bouncing off the wagon train thing. Yeah. Is that there are two focuses there. One is in which you are the you are the, the professionals, the permanent staff, the wagon master, the the ship's captain, um, what have you. And the the other is when you, where you you are focused on the um, on the uh, on the on the passengers. And I think a really skilled game designer could design a way that you you alternate or you weave together the two separate threads. But I think that's a bit more sophisticated than my brain is handling. I, I think these are broadly two different categories of role, and certainly you could switch between one or the other, and I've got some ideas we'll come back to on that. But basically, the, the way I see it, you've got the organisers of the trip, in, in a generic sense. I mean, yes, the ship crew, the caravan master... They're doing things like logistics, route planning. Maybe you tra- you trade off the fast, dangerous route versus the long, safe route. And th- th- there's actually good reason for that because if the- if there's a choice of routes like that, obviously the bandits are going to go on the fast route because yeah, that's yeah. where the high value stuff is. Um, they'll think about you know, are we going to make a side trip to here to make a bit of extra yeah. profit, or are we going to go straight through to get there sooner? Here's this di- here's this disaster. Our water has run out, for instance. How are we going to solve this? How, how are we going to do uh, ensure we can go on without out risking too many people going to get uh, going to fix the problem? Yeah, that, that's that's full of wonder. Um, and so, uh, so that my my contrast with that is your passengers, however defined, uh, yeah. and that that's to me gets me thinking bottle episode, uh, which is probably an obsolete TV term now, but the the idea of Originally, it happens only on the standing sets using only the regular cast. Um, yeah. In this case, it's okay. So you know, you've got your PCs. You've got a small number of NPCs who are on the trip with them. Yeah. And none of you can really get out very easily, and nobody else is likely to be joining you. So, because of my inclinations, I say, okay, murder mystery. Yeah, small suspect pool, small. Um, yeah, limited number of people who could have done it, yeah, uh, and, and, none, obvious, and none of them obvious. can easily run away. Yeah, it's a, I think it's t- we have to take it as given that there is something that keeps these people together, and something like danger or the making it physically impossible to leave is uh, is sort of has to be assumed. If you if you if you're on a bus to Cleethorpes, you can get off at any stop. But, uh, yeah, but if you're in a hurry, you're going to take, you're going to waste a lot of time doing that. Yeah, uh, if if but, you feel your life is in danger, sure. Yeah, yeah, but 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 on the way to Cleethorpes, there are very few places where the where where the natives will will scalp you. On the yeah, other I hand, think you, they've you, almost entirely eliminated that that in the Cleethorpes region. Please, it's a cultural tradition. Um, but no, I'm think, thinking the the other approach you might be taking is okay. I'm on this bus. There may be agents of the bad guys here, but there are also a bunch of innocent bystanders whom they don't want to murder because of the paperwork alone. Yeah. Whereas if I get off, and the bad guy gets off after me, I'm standing at a bus stop in the middle of nowhere with no witnesses. The terrors of the English countryside. Yeah. Uh, see also, uh, is, is it the third eye, the Athelina Rome? Anyway, uh, cl- classic uh, shock of fiction. Uh, anyway, put it into the, into the show notes. So, uh, yeah, all right. So, so the, yeah. the, there's an attack, 
if if it's a thing where attack if a medium trumpet where attacks can happen, uh, pirates, desert raiders, that kind of thing. Generally, uh, again, it depends on your context, but you, you caravan across the desert. Uh, let, let's not forget the classic GURPS adventure car- caravan to Ain Aris. Yeah. Possibly because it's been reprinted so many times. But you know, one, of, one of the things you have there is, okay, if the caravan gets attacked, then any of you can hold a weapon. It's going to be invited to hold a weapon and help fight off the bad guys. Yeah. Um, you've got personal goals among this restricted set of people. Uh, and the, the barroom brawl was a, was a classic adventure. I mean, you, you, you even committed one in White Dwarf, I believe. I, so, I, I forgive, forgive me my sins. Um, uh, so just, you know, what one of my standard uh, adventure writing templates in, in miniature, A wants X, B wants Y, these two things are not compatible, they clash with each other, shenanigans happen. I was going to say that there is a whole set of um, possible adventures which arise out of pilgrimages. Mm-hmm. Um, going going places. I've yet to see um, an east a, a western style pilgrim pilgrimage um, appearing in, in a game. I have the feeling actually. I mean the the pilgrimage to Jerusalem is um, is the long about the longest you're going to get out of uh, western um, literature and history. Uh, most most pilgrimages are in your own country or to the, the neighbouring country, if you feel like uh, visiting Compostela, but um, or Lourdes for that matter. But but a pilgrimage across a continent, a really existing one or or a fantasy one, seems to me a wonderful way to be both picaresque and spiritually developing at the same time. When that April with his sure soot that thrust of March have passed to the root, that that sort of thing. Oh no, I, that's that's uh, that particular um, uh, pilgrimage is uh, is a story frame for other stories to be inserted in, into it. But yeah, that sort of thing. But I mean that that's not a hugely long trip. I mean it's several days because they're on foot from London to Canterbury, um, but. Everybody there wants to get to Canterbury. They're not going to drop out and say, oh, "I'll just stay stay an extra night at this inn." Yeah, it's it's. But on the other hand, if you're going further, if you are crossing um, from France or England to the Holy Land, then that is uh, that is something to to make a story out of. I don't I don't think nowadays it would be. Um, it would be regarded as a suitable subject for a journey, but crusading having gone out of style. But well, I, I, I know people who have done personal pilgrimages. I mean, that, that is because they have that sort of religious inclination, and obviously these days you don't have to be part of a group, though there are certainly companies that will sell you a, a um, essentially a package tour uh, that oh, is yeah. also a pilgrimage. Yeah, and uh, the idea of what conditions you ought to go under can vary with the religious tradition. If you have to go the whole way on foot or if you're allowed to get a jet airliner just outside the immediate area and then uh, don your pilgrim's robes and walk. Um, I think 
um, it might work better as a, in a fantasy uh, a setting as a, as a motivation where you can up the level of metaphysical and, and physical threat. Um, but I've never, not seen it done. The other, the other pilgrimage tradition is in uh, the Eastern, um, is the, in the Eastern literature, starting with, uh, with, uh, the, uh, the pilgrimage to the West, uh, which is, um, which has its own role-playing game, Monkey. And, um, uh, and I, there's also a thing called Ryukama, which is a very Japanese, very gentle, um, journey from village to village pleasing the spirits and the dragons along the way i think in in the western tradition at least until you get to i don't know 1500s 1600s it is quite unusual to travel any distance at all yeah and therefore you need a really good reason for doing it like a crusade or a pilgrimage or a king's progress that kind of thing you know a a, a normal I, even a reasonably successful um, guild tradesman is not ever going to leave his town unless there's a really good reason for it. Actually, a, king, a, a king's uh, circuit of his kingdom would make a really nice mini campaign in which you've got the um, the visitation upon the local upon the local lord who has has his own troubles, and you've got the uh, the conspiring of the courtiers. And what's happening back at the capital, which where you've left the untrustworthy younger brother in charge? Some of those courtiers are going to be in in the positions where they are doing the administration for the king's justice that's been waiting since the last progress to get resolved, for example. Uh, and some of them will be mucking out the, the stables. Hmm. So that that's definitely a thing. Um, one thing that occurred to me was the. Um, the something goes wrong, I think, crosses between the organisers and passengers. Yeah. Um, a, wa- a wagon axle breaks, um, the horses die, uh, the, the, one of the ship's engines fails. Things that, uh, in many cases, this is just the crew will sort it out. But in others, well, okay, you know, we, we cannot go on with, uh, are we going to hold up the entire caravan for this one broken wagon? Well, probably not, because we don't have the supplies for it. The uh, and and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, in in an extreme version of this, you can put the organisers out of action and then say, "Okay, you lot are are now in charge by virtue of being big and swordy. Uh What are you going to do?" Yeah, the uh, we don't want this turning into. Well, maybe we do. Some people do want this turning into the Donner Party. But, um, <laughs> How many hobbits did we have? It was only two. I'm sure it was only two. There's not a good eating on a hobbit. Um, there's, <laughs> uh, there's, uh, there, there's, there's a fine edge. I was going to say between succeeding at this sort of enterprise and failing really badly. I don't know if you want to do a um, a spreadsheet based. Uh, modelling of it, but um, it would be very easy to um, uh, to do something that basically your 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 setup at the start was wrong, and you start getting having to make hard choices 
about halfway through the journey. I think the the I'm not, I'm not sure. I think a modern RPG designer in general tends to eschew mini games like that, particularly things that rely on a certain amount of player skill, and that the, the the usual approach I would expect to see in a recent uh, game would be something like the Caravan Master rolls his Caravan Mastery skill, mm-hmm. and based on that, you will have problems along the way or not. Yeah. Um, generate a certain number of complications. Yeah. The, you discover the mistake that you you made at the start halfway through. Yeah, but my, my argument is that this should be a player character or a non-player character mistake, not a mistake by one of the players. In saying, yeah, yeah we, we, we... Yeah. So... I think a lot of it is how you, you need to watch out for impatience. I think um, you know that if if the if the players are aware that this adventure is about going to X and and doing a thing at X, it can start to get frustrating. You know, we're, we're five sessions into this ocean voyage. Can we can we just get on to X that we were promised? That's also a thing to watch for. I think. Well, I think uh, yeah, you have to. This is where the virtue of something like Monkey comes in. This is, as a nominal final uh, achievement, you're going to get to the land where the where the scriptures are, copy them, and take them back home. Um, but uh, but but along the way, given that you have a number of uh, emotional and spiritual problems with the uh, members of the company, uh, they have to work out who they are or deal with who they are or just have fun with who they are along the way and you don't necessarily want to bring it um to bring bring it to that sort of end Mm. i i think it's another thing that i often say just talking about it with the players and saying you know this campaign is about the journey both literal and metaphorical this yeah. campaign is about the thing, you know, the, the destination, but the journey may get complicated as well. Yeah, that yeah, that sort of thing. Just, just I, I know, I'm, I'm saying, don't surprise your players, and, to, and that's not an absolute. But, but I think I, I'm always a bit wary of that. So, yeah, I, yeah, there, there, it is a pro, there is a problem, uh, a tension between consulting your players. And surprising your players, and um, recently in a, in the Reft Traveller campaign, I introduced a rule which we resolved to uh, to have been stupid from the start, and then uh, and then uh, withdrew drew it straight away, because uh, I'm sure there is a better way to. Um, to model the uh, the tensions and stress and exhaustion of doing long and dangerous journeys. Well, but, I, I I think we're role playing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we are not saying okay, we we've got a five parsec range on this thing. If if we just stay in deep space for ages, let's go straight to there. We are we are going the one and two parsec hops that gives you the chance to screw us over. So, and and I think that I think that's a reasonable in character thing for us to do. All right, so it's it's not the journey, it's the end. But it's not the end, 
It's the journey. And it's not the journey. It's the friends you make along the way. Or Particularly some... the ones you leave in shallow graves. <laughs> Who rise from it and haunt you the rest of your life. All right, I think we, we have listed the, um, uh, the very many ways you can use a journey in your journey through, uh, through, the, uh, through the game universe, and we shall pass on to other things. Escapism. Who needs it? I do. I do. I want to escape, sir. Please, sir. I'm just looking at various role-playing games, and uh, it's quite rare for them to be set in the real world. It's even more rare for them to be set in the modern real world without some sort of addition. Uh, And... I think one of the roots of this was uh, Will McLean's cartoon in the original Dungeon Master's Guide, where we have the, the fantasy party of wizard and cleric and fighter and all the rest of it sitting around playing papers and paychecks. <laughs> A great new uh, fantasy role-playing game. Really? So they say. Uh, the, this, this was, it appears, turned into an actual uh, mini-RPG by uh, Lev Lafayette and others. Uh, in which you, you have a playtest credit, sir. Yes, yes. My, my, the glory of my reputation spreads. I'm not actually sure how I did that, you know. But I'm getting old and forgetful, so um, uh, so I'm glad somebody found in my, my counsel to be of use. So this this links back to some extent to the, to the root, pulp roots of RPGs and, and the Western. You know, society is what you can take for yourself... Um, and you, you, or and or you are the only good guys between the really horrible and the innocent victims. Yeah. And uh, if you have an actual civilization with police forces and armies and things, that maybe doesn't work so well. Yeah. Uh, so we're so it's 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 basically original D and D is basically a fantasy medieval version of the fantasy of what the old West was like. Um, uh, the legend of the Old West being something that was constructed in the uh, in the twentieth century, rather than anything nearer the time. In many cases, by people who remembered how it was and decided to write something different. Yes, <laughs> something that showed their good side. So, I think one of the first and one of the very few truly mundane games is Alma Mater. Uh, oh hell no! Steve no, Davis is, and Andrew Warden in 1981. I mean, the, part of the problem here, of course, is since neither of us went to an American high school... Yeah, it, it's... <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, it's an exotic foreign setting for us. It's true. Uh, yes. we, we did talk about school games a few episodes back. Yeah, and, and, we, and I did wonder why anybody wants to revisit that part of their life. And, well, uh, Alma Mater has rules for sex and drugs and probably rock and roll too, so... Yeah, but hang on, hang on, hang on a second. Alma Mater isn't based directly, it's not ripped from the headlines. It's based on the movies that there were about high schools. Well, a lot of them happened a bit later, but yes. Yeah, well, hang on. It's about, it's already, even at that stage, about the legend of what things really were like. Yes. 
it's the it's the view or it's it's a view which can create character classes out of teenagers. Uh, the jock, the jock, uh, the geek. Yeah, I mean the, the, the I popular think, girl. I think you can see echoes of this in something like oh, the Breakfast Club. Yes, which yeah, which, is, which is four years later, but that that is taking the stereotypes and then saying yeah, but they're not just the stereotypes. And Probably. I don't think, I mean, in, in Alma Mater they are essentially character classes because it's 1981, and unless you're Greg Stafford, character classes is what you do. Yeah. Steve Perrin as well. Yeah, fair the, enough. Uh, the, the, um, the difficulty here is that role-playing games and role-playing gamers tend to like cliches. They like stereotypes. They like something clearly defined so that we can bend our talents um, in mimicry and imagination into something we feel comfortable with. And modern literary fiction, in as much as I understand it, which is very far, <laughs> tends to eschew that sort of thing. Modern literary fiction, look, this, this is going to show my, my pig ignorance and my, and my basic lack of good taste. But modern <laughs> literary fiction it strikes me as innately depressing. Um, stuff, stories about people I'm not interested in. Doing things I wouldn't want to do if, I, if they were offered. And, and, and suffering as a result. And um, there isn't the scale, sense of scale of character breadth that you would get in Dickens, say. Um, I mean, I will admit that I uh, that my tolerance even for something like um, Hardy is is limited. I could see a Dickensian role playing game. Actually, uh, it's called Gerps Goblins, I think. Yeah, no, no, no. Hang on. I don't think Gerps Goblins is Dick is is Dickens. I mean, it's more like Trollope or something like that. Um, it's certainly it's certainly earlier in setting and feel. Uh, All right, it, it, it's more pseudo Regency than pseudo Victorian. All right, yeah, well, let, let but but it, but it certainly has plenty of room for the orphan masters or whatever. Yeah. All right, but the maybe. I'm not quite sure how you would define the parameters of a Dickensian role playing game. As, I mean, there have been people attempting to do Shakespearean-style role-playing games, and they have been so, sort of capable of generating a, a pseudo-Shakespearean plot and characters. First step, surely, read all the older works of literature that are, that are available to you, all 50 of them. <laughs> first, uh, first, in order to write this role-playing game, first get your PhD... In, a, in, uh, in, in the sources of the author. I, I feel that if, if the Adventure Generation stage does not have a step where the clowns say, Oi, we need a bit of clowning here, and, and if you don't give it to us, you won't like what happens. <laughs> There's this bit in the jigsaw puzzle that won't go in, and it's the clowns. Oh, all right. The thing is that we're still talking about literary models. We may have moved from... Um, uh, from the Old West and high fantasy. But we've moved to... They're, 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 I'm not sure it's possible to do a mundane role-playing game 
really. Certainly the the modern set games that I can think of are... They they may be mundane in the sense of not having magic or psychic powers or whatever, but they also tend to be about exciting adventures in far-off places. I mean, you're James Bond, you're Daily International, you're Merc 2000... Yeah, you don't you don't want uh, uh, to do a role playing game about a bunch of people in a therapy session in a hospital in Withenshaw. Honestly, really, you don't. Um, it, it would just I, I, I could conceive of novels that would be written about this. I wouldn't want to read them, but I can conceive of them. But uh, uh, but I don't think it's it's a thing that uh, role players want to do. We we want to get. We want to do the role playing to get out of our um, limited lives into something more, um, uh, more exciting. That said, there are role- historical role playing games I can think of whose entire point and entire focus is that the players, the characters rather are trapped in a terrible situation and uh, and play out the last days of people who are, who are trapped there. Things like Montsegur, or whatever that date was, um, and, uh, and the, the games about, about uh, uh, the trenches in World War I. People volunteer for this because they like the angst. It's not... It's, it's suffering... But it's suffering on a heroic scale. Something like Grey Ranks, where where you are child soldiers in occupied Warsaw. Hint: yeah. it's not going to end well. No, it really isn't. But it but it it is it is in in some ways heroic as well as pathetic, and you you feel for them and you can admire them at the same time. And I think if you're going to do um, utterly mundane. Um, Role-playing games, then that's uh, that's that's part part of it. The chance to be heroic, even uh, and and the, the term hero has been abused a lot in recent years. But the chance to be a genuine hero is something people might want to um, throw themselves at. I, hmm. Was it you, or, or was it the uh, the Grog Squad who? Uh, who did? I think it was the Grog Squad. Yeah, who did a um, uh, uh, a an adventure set in the aftermath of Threads? Mm. Uh, the, yeah, the that wasn't BBC, one of mine. It was the BBC TV series about um, a nuclear strike <laughs> on Britain. Yeah, the, the the one that many people uh, meet, meeting Americans who who say, "Oh, the day after was really traumatic." Say, "Oh boy, hold hold my beer and watch this." And <laughs> Well, that, we were we were playing bureaucrats trapped in Leedstown Hall, in the bunker, trying to um, direct the, the the blasted survivors outside, and, and gradually becoming aware that not only were we were we not being of any help, but we were also going to die horribly quite shortly. Hmm. And that was sort of heroic. It wasn't entirely satisfactory because we couldn't make a difference to anything, but. Um, it was it was it was heroic, if not exactly mundane. Yeah, so you you could also have some other you know, near future something has gone seriously wrong games. Um, 
possibly not a great example, but remembering the price of freedom, uh, or as a better example, the Twilight 2000, which when it's stuck to its basic idea of you are a bunch of US squaddies stuck in, stuck in Poland after everything has, has fallen apart, can you get yeah. home? Or are you going to make your own little kingdom here? That, that could work quite well. Yeah, but let us not uh, let us stick to to our our, um, our mission here. We can talk about the totally mundane, the here and now. Yeah. The cop shows, I suppose. I I was thinking of things things like techno thrillers, where at, at least in the traditional techno thriller model, the intention is not to have anything that could not happen with known things in the real world. I mean, you, you, you might have a new development of something, but generally you, you don't particularly, or, or, you know, espionage stories. Yeah. James, James Bond has obviously done those a great disservice, but there are espionage stories in which it's, they, they try to say, okay, this is what it's actually like here. And there are certainly moments of danger and excitement there. Yeah. The, uh, the, in, in many ways, the mission of a, of a spy or a spy handler is, one of very low level tension and fear for very long periods of time, and then suddenly, the uh, the, the the horror and terror of either falling to the opposition investigators or managing to make a clean break and get away. Realizing that you screwed up six months ago and you are now dead, it's just a yeah. matter of when they come for you. And that's a, that's a cheerful sort of uh, of a topic, I think. There's a one-off role-playing game to to be had out of that. I was going to say in response to your thing about technology, it is a problem. It's very always very exciting to imagine the thing that would solve uh, the current strategic impasse. But then, if it beca- ever became a real real thing, it would change the world utterly. I'm thinking of things like the laser uh, missile defense system in. Tom Clancy's book, the the Cardinal of the Kremlin, I think it is, mm. uh, and they get they get it when uh, working, and, and the CIA uh, triumphs, and it's never ever mentioned in any of the books again because <laughs> it would change the world. And uh, there, there's certainly an argument to be made that trying to deal with the threat of missile interception was one of the things that helped the USSR to fall apart. Obviously, some of the people involved in that make a greater claim for it than is really justified by reality, but there's an element of it there. Yeah, I, um, I, but I, but consider an earlier Tom Clancy book, The Hunt for Red October, uh, yeah. where yes, there is this there is this uh, new submarine propulsion system, uh, which is much quieter than anything seen before, but they still find the submarine using it, and they are still able to track it. So it, it's not the strategic game changer that it might be. No, but it is. Uh, he, he gets the balance right in there. It is an important thing and a, a, a believable thing that 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 people would good, go to a great deal of trouble to to get hold of the information on, a, and even more to get hold of the ship. Yeah. But, so uh, um, this but, this but is it, it won't break the world. Is what, is what I'm saying. Yeah. This is Jack Ryan before he's a superhero, but I I could certainly see that turning into an RPG essentially as you know, Jack Ryan plus some of his analyst buddies saying we, we've got to persuade our bosses that this is a real thing um, 
that this is an actual potential intelligence coup that we could do something about and so on, and then get involved in actually doing it. So that, that could work, I think. But again, it's escapist. Yeah. And, and uh, it's not, but he, he, depicting that wouldn't be very satisfying. Let, let me take myself, myself back a step. I can conceive, and I believe I've seen evidence of role playing games which are entirely about gathering the clues, piecing it all together. And uh, and making uh, correct uh, deduction. Um, there's uh, there was a convention run of the Dracula dossier, in, in which we saw pictures of people very ha- happily standing before the uh, the board with the all the string linking the uh, clues back together from <laughs> how they deduced where, exactly where Dracula was and how you got to kill him. And I can understand that being fun. But on the other hand, role-playing guys sitting at desks looking at reports coming in from remote people which are incomplete and need to be patched together and you you are you, or you don't have the skills, you don't have all the skills necessary to do this but your character does and you get to roll dice about it you'd honestly much rather be in alleyway being shot at. I think at the very least one needs to... Um make it more interesting than just okay i'm going to roll my photo interpretation yeah and i and that requires i think one of the things it requires is really high value um uh, handouts and clues and what have you yeah uh, i mean i i i think a lot of players are actually reasonably competent at okay i have an overhead photo what's actually going on here particularly now that we have google apps and, and so on satellite views so they'll be feeding it surreptitiously to uh, to artificial intelligences uh, if you're playing remotely. I tell you, yeah. but um, yeah, th- things like okay, that judging by those shadows, this was clearly taken in the early morning, whereas this other shot is a mid-afternoon one. Uh, it they're, they're six months apart, so things may have changed. But what can we learn from that? Okay, I got a shape on that building now. That kind of thing. I, I enjoy doing that. I'm not, I'm not sure it's a role-playing thing because that's me doing it. It's not my character. Yeah. Um, and with, uh, well, with the right players, yes, uh, yes, you're, go- you're going to enjoy it. I remember one of my players was, um, he's now retired, uh, was a police intelligence a- analyst uh, working for the, for the Met. And he, uh, he ran one uh, scenario based on the sort of information Translated to a fant- fantastical location, but based mm. on the sort of information they would get about gangs and um, and proposed criminal activities and statistics that wavering in the background of some upsurges and muggings and things and things like that. And which, is the is this part of the actual thing you're looking for, or is it just a randomness? Yeah, yeah, um, that that was fascinating for. But it, it, it required very specialised skills, and um, we uh, and, and uh, as I say, we do not um, uh, nor normally look at all the tedious bits of anybody's lifestyle. Even even we don't we don't consider uh, Conan Conan when he's got a cold, only when he's being magnificent. Yeah, I I think there's always a, a slight trick with investigative adventures that you you can make finding the clues 
an aspect of character skills and and attributes, but putting them together is as, as when you're reading a murder mystery is a thing that you, the player, do. And yeah. and that is, I I think it would be much less fun if I said, okay, I've got clues A, C, and D, and I had to make a roll on my put clues together skill to say, okay, now I know who who done it, and I can go and arrest them. Yeah, you you need to, yeah, inter- with, um, knowledge, intelligence may be a characteristic of the of the character. Uh, wisdom, being able to put it all together, must be a characteristic. of uh, the GURPS Monster Hunters does this a little bit, and that that's in the Monster of the Week mould. You, know, you you find these obscure things, you put them together with folklore or physical evidence or whatever, and eventually somebody says, well, aha, because this is obviously an ancient Sumerian demon, uh, so let's go and look up how we kill ancient Sumerian demons. It turns, turns out to be shooting them a lot. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how the Sumerians knew that. Yeah, but, but that for that sort of thing where... It's more of a dramatic beat than an aha, I have put everything together, aren't I clever? I, I think it can potentially work. What other bits of the quote, real world, unquote, TM, do you think are gameable or have been game? Well, um, assuming we're sticking to the modern day for the moment, uh, yeah, the the political angle of things, or you know, you're running, you you are running a big corporation and have to make decisions, or you're running a country and have to make decisions. I think the running of the country is is more more interesting because you don't have to look at spreadsheets so often. Certainly, there have been mega games that had no um, weirdness, and yes, there there are other ones that do. The aliens have landed. What are you going to do about it? Uh, but but I've certainly heard of ones which are essentially okay. Here here is a world with these problems in it. How do how do you solve them? Yeah. Um, where where? You... Sorry, I, I, sh- I should clarify for those I'm not aware of it. Mega game tends to be uh, twenty or more players, and each of them has a defined role. So you might have you know the the British Prime Minister, the British military chief, the American Prime Min- uh, President. That kind of thing. You, you, so you, you have three or four roles per country, and you you have a you have a huddle in your country or team or faction or whatever it is, and then every so often you have to get together and talk with the other factions as well. Yeah, it, that 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 sort of thing is is very satisfactory. If we're we're doing a totally mundane game of uh, of, uh, of of political decisions, well, it runs very close to the sort of training exercise that the civil service. Sometimes puts puts together, um, which can in itself be fun. Particularly if this, I don't know what the civil service version is like. It, it's a great problem with military exercises that, particularly if they're live fire live exercises with real troops on the ground, they tend to be written to make a point that this tactic will work. Uh, in other words, they have a predetermined conclusion. You follow follow the rules. You you will get the right 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 results, and you get your promotion. Yeah, um, until some clever bugger breaks the, breaks the scenario and manages to do it another way. And I think being the sort of character who does that is much more fun. True. <laughs> One of the troubles is that um, you, if you're doing political games, you may come, you may have recruited your your players from. Actually, one sort of hopes you've recruited your players from diverse political um, philosophies, but things may get serious or 
taken more seriously once you start um, pushing the, uh, uh, the the boundaries of what particular dogmas will achieve. Mm. Um, there are people who will believe that violence is never uh, an answer. There will be people who will believe that um, violence is always an answer. There will be people who believe that government can achieve nothing. So what am I doing sitting here? I think uh, if if we can play um, wizards and space fighter pilots, I don't think we should have trouble pe- uh, play, playing people who believe that there is some potential value to government in some cases at some times. It's not, it's not a stretch. <laughs> yeah, except that the people will bring their own... Um their own knowledge and beliefs to a game, even if it's not about something uh, something political. Uh, no, no, unicorns really don't do that. No, you, you wouldn't have done that in, 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 in that, that period in Japan. Um, his shoelaces are all wrong. Oh, he's got shoelaces? <laughs> yeah, no shoes. Those are expensive, but shoelaces. All right, all right yeah. He's trying to sell them. I don't know. Um, I, don't I, I suspect that, we're coming round to, yes, to some extent, some degree of escapism is necessary. Well, I was going to say that, yeah. I was going to say, so, not so much escapism, because you don't escape from Montsegur, and you don't escape from the Polish ghetto, but some degree of elevation of action, of... I'm I'm playing a character not only who isn't like me, but who is in a situation very different from mine. A situation nobody wants to wants to be in. Sometimes, uh, but, but, yeah. But uh, but it's about it's about trying in every moment um, in your life, whatever it is, to live at the uh, at the best, whatever that is. <laughs> um, and uh, and I think I think the a purely mundane and a purely unexcited account of any life is going to be not satisfactory as a work of art it has to be it has to have significance the significance is what charges up our our dopamine levels this is important, I care about this. I suppose this this is the art of biography in effect here here is a person who did some impressive things but make him an interesting person um, and, and, but I'm going to tell you about his hemorrhoids anyway. Well, I mean, Coleridge's dentistry oh, was the reason for his getting addicted to opium, and so I don't think you can say that the effects of that were minor. <laughs> and he, he didn't just get into it because, oh, wow, everybody's smoking, I'll try some too. He got into it for a relief from the constant pain. Yeah. <laughs> I th- I think, on the whole... Um, what I'm saying is that even in the most ungenre of uh, of narratives, of works of of story, even there there are literary assumptions baked into what you do, and maybe one in, in a thousand um, authors will come up with some new way of doing things or a new application of old ways but um, most of us are using are using stuff that's uh, that's been effective before 
Yeah, um, and I think there there are not a lot of exciting stories about mundane life. There, well, there are. They're probably romances, now that I think of it. Ulysses, the role-playing game? <laughs> no, stories. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, you, 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 yeah, I'll, allow, I'll allow you to be rude about, um, uh, about Finnegan's Wake, but, um, uh, but Ulysses is a story, even if I've only read it once in my life and feel absolutely no urge to read it again. Well, part of, part of the problem is it was in ty- it was typeset in France because it wouldn't be typeset in England because it w- it was shocking and horrible, and they made a lot of mistakes which have been gradually over the decades discovered. So, so the the version you would have read in 1930 is not at all what uh, Joyce wrote. Well, that would have been in 1972. So I don't, I, I don't know what <laughs> stage the, the Penguin edition was at uh, by then. Uh, I but yeah, but even there. Um, and it is, it is a story of a particular mundane day. Even there, he's using um, the, the Greek, uh, Greek epic poetry as a frame and as a parallel uh, to what's going on in Dublin. Oh, and, another example, um, A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. Oh, yeah, that, that there is heroism in uh, a horrible, trapped, mundane situation. Now, a, a lot of the point of it is this is his day, this and every other day is basically going to be just like this. Yeah. Which is possibly not a thing you can do effectively in an RPG, I don't know. And the extra day was for leap years. Hmm. But, yeah, I, I think we're coming down to, yes, it, it's got, even if it's in the modern day without uh, magic or weirdness, uh, it's got to have something. I, I, I can't help thinking that Gangbusters and Call of Cthulhu came out at about the same time. It may not have been the same year, but it was within a year of each other. Yeah. And one of them was forgotten almost at once, and one of them has been an ongoing success. Hmm. Well, I, I, I think part of the, the problems with Gangbusters were mechanical and, 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 and framework is what we're talking about. Every story needs a framework. And even in the most mundane of, of of stories, that story support framework, that literary skeleton, has to be present. Otherwise, it turns into jelly. Yeah, I, I am going to uh, mention the Grognard Files again. I'll stick a link in the show notes to the, to their um, episode or two on gangbusters because they they took an approach of saying, well, okay, you know. I, I've generated a cop, you've generated a gangster. This does not mean we're going out in a party together doing stuff. It means I'm having essentially having a story of my cop life, you're having a story of your gangster life, and at, at times they may intersect. Yeah. Uh, which, which I'm not at all sure is what was actually intended, but it certainly seems to be a way of making it work. I, w- I would say that, uh, that that approach would work now and could be made, made to work, work now with... Uh, there are plenty of... Um, of RPGs where where it's built into it that you're switching from one group to another to another, and you're not going to be playing the same person all the time. But yeah, particularly you're, you're causing me to think of something like Ars Magica, where the all the other players are expecting to be support characters for somebody else some of the time, even the yeah. majorities of the time. But that, uh, but but it was it was it was the early days. We had not yet the art. <laughs>
if you want to tell us about the particular bit of the mundane world you're turning into a role-playing game, or about the long and terrifying journey you have made across deserts while sur surrounded by hostiles, uh, then you can contact us at... Uh, leave a message on the website or email podcast at tekili.ly. And we'll be back again next month. Thank you.